My name is Michael Adams. Today we have myself, John Rahimi, and David McCormick on the podcast. Boys, we're back. We're all in the same state, finally, once again. Feels good. Yeah, it was nice. The entire state of Illinois is rejoicing because Michael has returned and John is no longer doing the voice from the last podcast. Yeah, so a word about that <laughs> to the unfortunate souls who had to listen to that. Uh, I realized what it's from, Dave, because you asked what that voice was from. And I said nothing. Yeah. But then I realized... Uh, because I was listening to a lot of podcasts during quarantine. It was from a podcast from Catholic stuff from like almost 10 years ago where Father Nathan did a voice like that on one of the podcasts. And I think it had just like subconsciously set into me and then it kind of came out. So that's where the voice is from. So thank you, Father Nathan. At least there's an origin story to it. Yeah, I was worried it was just your own creation. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank God. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like the odds of you just coming up with it by yourself. I'm like, it has to be from something. Wow, that's not a lot of faith in me. Well, I mean, is that something you pride pride yourself on? Come up with an original voice? I think so, yeah. You know, as a person who did theater for seven years, I think I should be able to come up with an original accent. Can we we hear one here today? You don't need need to do the full podcast in the voice, but do you have one off the cuff? No, I need to think of something. I don't have anything off the top of my head. What about uh, Schmeagel with a Southern accent? Oh my gosh. I don't even know what that would sound like. You have to create it. You said, all right, well, I'll, I'll work on that in the next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> next time we podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, not in quarantine anymore, which is really nice. Um, it's freezing. Just really, really freaking cold mm-hmm. here. Um, people build snowmen actually. That was fun. And we're slowly working on one of my classmates who's from El Paso. We're trying to get him to go outside and play in the snow, but he keeps saying no. Mm. As, a, as a true snow into him. That's what I said. I wanted to put it in his bed. Like the scene in the office where they bring in like the, uh, they have the snowball fight within the office. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was actually <laughs> thinking about that line the other day that Dwight <laughs> says that I won't repeat in this, but it's very funny. <laughs> As a true Texan yeah. uh, transplant, uh, I became pretty accustomed to weather that was above negative four degrees and pretty mm-hmm. accustomed to 60 degree weather during December uh, and during January. And now that it's negative five outside the today, I regret everything about why I decided to come back. And I kind of wish I was back in Texas until it got warm again. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of a uh, when I was a kid in first grade, my family, we went to with my cousins, we went to Hawaii for like a week for vacation. And then when we got back, there'd been like a massive, like, you know, snowstorms, there was a lot of snow and we were still on break. And I was, we were having a snowball fight with my neighbor and he just like ripped the sweet fastball right into my face. And I was like naturally upset as a, you know, six year old is and they get hit in the face with a snowball. And his comeback was welcome back to the cold loser. I was like, Oh, and that's like stuck with me for like, you know, 15, no, way more than that. I can't count. How many years is that? Uh, you're six to 24, 18 uh, years, 18 years. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. It's a big right there. <laughs> John, that might be the greatest line I've ever heard. How old was the kid who said that? He was six. He was the same age as me. That for a six year old. Oh my goodness. I wish that I would be like, be able to have like the presence of mind to say a line <laughs> like that after hitting someone with a snowball. <laughs> Yeah, now that you mentioned that, it's pretty. It's a pretty witty comeback. Yeah, Michael, welcome back to the cold loser. <laughs> you, I feel very welcomed by you too, as always. Okay, you're like open your shades tomorrow morning. There's going to be like your lawn just full of different snowmen just to taunt you, and you're going to have to wonder: Is there someone hiding inside that snowman waiting to hit me with a snowball? If it's you two, I'm just going to like, you two are going to start running away. I'm going to find out fast because I'm going to bring a baseball bat out there. Oh, and I'm just going to wait. That, just take down random ones. That reminds me, we had, when I was younger, I was probably like 10 or 11, we used to do like, in the internet, we had like snowball fights. Um, and we were fighting against the neighbors. We both built her fort. And one of our neighbors was losing. And he decided, it's kind of interesting they brought that up, Michael, because he decided to uh, brandish a baseball bat as a weapon, as a metal one which I would argue um, violates the Geneva Convention of snowball fights. Um, but he, he then hit 
my dear little brother Johnny with a baseball bat. Oh <laughs> um, a casualty of war, but we still we still won the war. So I mean, at the end of the day, got to do what you got to do to win. A, ne- a necessary casualty. <laughs> yeah, sorry, one hundred percent. We tried. Uh, we tried bringing him back and trying him for war crimes, but he stayed in his house. So. <laughs> We should show up now, like next week or something at his house and be like, uh, we're trying you now for the crime that you committed 15 years ago against John McCormick. Golly. What's the Bible say about revenge? (laughs) No, it's like the, uh, they did that after World War I. They got the guys from Argentina, all the Germans who like went into hiding and they're like, no, we're still going to try you for all all the stuff you did. Sorry. Hitting people with baseball bats. Not, not, Not a good thing. Allegedly. Did you guys ever like ice, like bring a bottle of water out and like squirt some water on the snow just to like ice it up and then use it as a snowball? Nope. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, I look for I look for the icy. I look for the ice icy. to put in snowballs, but I never created the ice. I guess. Icy. We tried doing that. We would have like a big when like the snowplow would come through and it would mm-hmm. have like a mound. So we just basically build a hole and that would be our fort. Mm-hmm. So what we would do is jo- Johnny and I we would take water and we would pour it on the front of it. So oh yeah. Ice over. So if anyone came to try to like climb up it, it, it worked a lot better. It worked a lot better in theory than in practice. But yeah. yeah, we used to. We have a hill on the side of our house, and we would build a a little makeshift ramp for sledding down. So we would we would ice that over to try and get some like speed off the ramp. It never worked, but <laughs> it was a good idea. <laughs> you know what's not a good idea is so here at the seminary, it's been snowing like a ton. And instead of, you know, shoveling or snow blowing, the maintenance people go around campus with leaf blowers and they just, oops, they just blow, they just blow the snow away. What this does is if you've walked on the snow, it doesn't push away like the loose snow. So the compacted snow is then stuck on the ground and then it freezes and you get a bunch of icy footprints all over the ground. So basically, it's just caked in ice, and you're trying to walk across it, and people are just wiping out left and right. So it's actually probably made things a heck of a lot worse than it did before if they just shoveled it or you know used a plow or something. When you said leaf blower, I thought you were going to say that they like put the leaves back in, and they just blew leaves all over the ground to like <laughs> make a makeshift Get traction. traction. <laughs> yeah, that's where your mind went. <laughs> that's an interesting idea. We had, because um, I feel like the conditions here, like it was raining earlier this week and then it got super cold. So like, mm. there's water all over the ground and it froze. So literally the sidewalks, it was like a main sidewalk is like, if you guys remember like where Boneyard is, is like absolutely covered in ice. Mm. And then last night it snowed, but just like a little bit. So like it was still slippery, but it didn't look slippery. So like we were going, like some friends and I we were walking and we were like shuffling. And this guy like 20 feet in front of us, just like walking towards us, just ate it. Um, and we like, he like, it seemed like he was okay. We were gonna like, go over to see if he was all right. But he then just crosses the street and just like walk of shame, just like averts his eyes, does not make <laughs> eye contact. Um, but we had a moment of silence for him when we got to the spot because there's just an imprint of a body. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like we were gonna be like, oh, like, are you okay? But the man just like crossed the street, averts eyes, just was not trying to engage. Can't say I blame him though. Yeah, I respect it. All I could think of though, is like, as I walked down the street, you'd see like, all these footprints around you like knew where someone was walking so in theory if you were trying to like i don't know discover where a criminal went after a crime and you just leaf blowed snow you'd have a good idea where they were walking get a nice little path so if these guys really are looking for a job in crime investigation i would i would recommend them it's pretty good csi mandalon yeah really (laughs) you just solved the chicago crime uh situation right now you just stopped all of crime i know yeah listen up Lori lightfoot I have ideas. I'm dropped to zero. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, I should probably stop stalling at this point. I just don't want to talk about this. This is a fun topic, I think. Wait, John, what are we talking about? Yeah. um, I would would say what the title of the podcast is, but I don't know what we're going to choose because it's between two right now. Um, Can it be the one I put in the chat? There's three. No, it cannot be the one you put in the chat. No. original idea john uh yeah (laughs) gosh um all five of our listeners would stop listening um yeah all right to the topic uh how do we how do i want to go into this so um 
we're going to talk about sex and sexuality. I think that's the best way to go. Michael's doing a little like groovy dance right now. Yeah. I'm thinking of like some Marvin Gaye song or something in my head right now. You know, Adam used to do that. Did you ever around when he, when he played that song? The hot chocolate song? No, I don't. I believe in miracles. <laughs> I can hear him come, singing it. He would come into the room through the bathroom just blasting that. It, was very it makes sense. Anyways, okay, so we're going to talk about sex, um, specifically yep. chastity. So basically, like, how do Christians deal with sex and sexuality? Because it's a, I feel like that's an important topic with uh, Valentine's Day coming up in, you know, six short days, as Michael was very aware of when we told him that Valentine's Day was coming up. I was very aware of. Yeah, Michael's worry. He's been planning something really big. I'm a very good boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Michael but, is so on top of Valentine's Day. It's, it's insane. I yeah. essentially invented Valentine's Day. That's how prepared I am. Yeah, it's my brother's birthday, actually. So that's fun. Oh, happy birthday. Mm. Uh, quick, quick tangent. There was a, not that I'm on TikTok, but I saw one. Mm-hmm. My roommate sent it to me of, uh, it was like me on Valentine's Day. It was like, everyone's like doing stuff. And then it was someone who was like, it was like, this is what like my friends are doing on Valentine's Day. And it was like me on Valentine's Day. And it's a guy in a drive-thru. He's at a Wendy's and he's like, can I have three Frosties? The guy's like, oh, you know, you can just do like three separate orders. He goes, you see a single tear rolled on his eye. He goes, nope, it's just me. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry, man. Oh. <laughs> anyway, that's my quick. Yeah. Well, okay, another quick thing. Um, do you know what the day before is? February 13th? Friday the 13th? Wait, what? Is it? No, it's, no, no, it's, it's Saturday. No, Saturday. it's Saturday the 13th. Yes, again, Michael's very on top of Valentine's Day. <laughs> he knows exactly what day it is. It is Celibacy Awareness Day. Oh. <laughs> you know that Sorry. Was my eyes just got stuck in the back of my head right then. <laughs> oh, wow, the disdain. Cel- celibacy is a great gift. <laughs> the greatest <laughs> gift God gave to man. Right behind but... sex. Quote yeah. Father Chase. Um, but just it's so it's so ironic and I know it was done deliberately too which makes it even funnier in my mind Ooh, man that's funny um, okay where were we we're talking about sex uh, chastity yeah um, okay so if someone came up to you you know you're walking on the street and someone just goes hey Michael and David um, what's chastity what would you that happened to me once wait what well, not not exactly the situation. Sorry, I'm interrupting. But no, what no, I was I walking with our, our our dear friend and missionary Tanner Gasta. Uh-huh. Um, and if you remember, Michael, remember those conversations we had last year? Very fun conversations. It was Very it was fun. actually awesome. Basically, yeah, you wanted to like talk to us about chastity, just like super, just like super clear, super direct. Actually, like incredible mm-hmm. conversations. I think it's like something that honestly people need to do more with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but he started out with, "How would you define chastity?" As we we're going through a walk on the quad. Um, and I was just like, I don't know. I ended up like kind of giving some rambling definition, but it was good because then I feel like I got a little bit better at it. Anyway, sorry. So Michael, someone asked you, how would you define chastity? Deflection. No, you just completely- good deflection, David. That was great. <laughs> just completely averted that question. <laughs> David, what is chastity? Do you want, do you want me to try to answer it? He asked both of us it. and you just completely deflected that to me. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> deflection. <laughs> so I guess it wasn't someone random, but... Yeah, so um, the uh, in my rambling, incoherent response, I think what we kind of had somewhat agreed upon, which is probably not even like the exact definition, but just saying like it is a way that um, we understand um, and we like use our bodies to to like love lo- to love others, and, like more importantly, like, the Lord more fully. And that's kind of like a vague definition, um, but that is kind of where I've, that was like like the concrete one that we kind of landed on. I can get behind that. I like it. Dirty Mike. The name feels uh, a little bit interesting during this topic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know, my name is Baby McCormick on the screen. So. <laughs> it's all sorts sure. of weird right now. Yeah, yeah. Just embrace the awkward, as a, a wise man once told me. Um, I, I had the same conversation with Tanner, actually, over a beer at Murphy's on campus. Mm. And I remember I was like, this is going to be so uncomfortable. I can't. I don't want to talk about chastity. Like, I don't know, that's something that most people avoid in their day-to-day life when they're talking with friends and other people. But like David said, it was a very direct and like just very pointed conversation. He asked very blunt questions and just wanted blunt answers. And that was, I, I thought, very moving. And it was, it was really cool to experience that with another man. And definitely would encourage people to have those conversations, as David said. But 
I think the way I have come to understand chastity actually comes from a confession I was in regarding chastity. And this priest kind of talked to me about the struggle of chastity and these things. Um, and eventually he was like, do you know, like the purpose of chastity? I kind of was like, well, it's like, uh, I don't want to, like, I don't want to sin. Like that's like, you know, marriage is sacred, all of those things, like respecting the other person, respecting myself, respecting God, all those kind of, I don't know, not generic, but kind of generic answers to it to kind of not have to dive into it any deeper. And he gave a very simple definition of it that really has stuck with me to this point. Um, and he essentially says that chastity is a way that we can prepare ourselves to love like our future spouse or ourself or just creation in general. It's a way that we can prepare ourselves to love creation in a way outside of physical intimacy um, mm -hmm. and specifically outside of sex or like any of those like big chastity issues, but really just out of physical intimacy is how he described it, which I thought was a really cool way of describing it because he kind of talked about all these different relationships that we have. And although physical touch can be a really great way of showing love, like through a hug or through holding a hand, those kinds of things, he described it as someday physical intimacy either won't be a thing or it will dwindle or it's not something that you can practice every day. Like with us three here, um, not saying that like this is like a romantic thing, but you know, we're all distance. I haven't been able to see either of you in person for a very long time, unfortunately. And it's a way that I can kind of practice loving other humans and other creation in a way that doesn't require like a physical touch or a physical intimacy. And that was kind of a, a way that kind of helped me frame it. Cause I've always kind of thought beforehand, I kind of thought chassis is kind of a, just a, a long list of don't do's and a long list of rules of uh, just, if I, if I break a, even the smallest chastity rule, I'm suddenly like a terrible person or I'm suddenly like all these other things. So um, just hearing it in the way of like, it's essentially a way that you can practice loving other creation more fully and more properly. That's kind of stuck with me since then. Um. Do I remember my freshman year we had a man lunch Monday on chastity? I remember Father Chase asked everyone, like, what is chastity? And our, our dear friend Adam says, It's not a whole bunch of no's, but one big yes. And Father Chase just goes, No, that's a really dumb response. <laughs> Obviously, Adam was like, he was he's kind of joking, kind of said, like, it's one big yes. But Father Chase is like, that's a really dumb response. <laughs> that man is a savage. <laughs> Wow. I hope to be like him one day. Um, yeah. Uh, not to, <laughs> I would agree with him. Yeah. Not the best response, but yes, I, I trust Adam knows more about chastity than most of us since he's a happily married man. Um, yes, 100%. but good. I, I think those are, those are good answers. Um, yeah, I think, um, I'll just, I'll just quote the catechism. Uh, so in under the sixth commandment, under do not commit adultery, we have a section titled the vocation of chastity. It's called the vocation of chastity. Hence, all people are called to it. Um, but chastity means the successful integration of sexuality within the person. Okay, there's more to it than that, but I think that's just a good general thing. So the successful integration of sexuality within the person. So like right off the bat, um, I think one thing that's like struck me the most as I've learned more about chastity and lived into it more is precisely this, like when you read that statement, the thing that comes up, it says like sexuality is a part of you because there's a really easy temptation to fall into that says like, wouldn't it just be easier if I didn't have these urges or these desires? Wouldn't my life be so much easier if I didn't have that? Because then I wouldn't have to worry about failing in it and screwing up in it and sinning. And I mean, I don't know about you guys, like that thought crossed my mind all the time. It was always like, this would just be so much easier if I didn't have to struggle with that, especially as someone who's like, you know, uh, in seminary and like moving towards the priesthood, like it seems like that would make celibacy a lot easier because I wouldn't have to deal with that. But this definition says that it's the successful integration of sexuality, which means sexuality is a part of being a person. So I think the first thing, um, and this is a line from a book that I've been reading is that, um, truthfulness is an essential part of chastity. And when he says truthfulness, he's talking about basically we need to accept the reality that we are sexual persons and that we've been created in that way. And that sexuality has a part in our history and has a part in our future and our present. I was struck by the same thing there because I think growing up and 
just even in like the adult life now, the common teaching of chastity um, or human sexuality is typically like a, it's it's really not something that's taught about. If it is taught about, it's taught in a very, like Adam said, it's a long, a long list of no's. Um, But oftentimes I think it's just more frequently ignored and it's been more of a a hush hush topic that's like oh don't talk about that like we can't talk about sexuality because if we talk about sexuality that's a bad thing we we can't talk about this dark part of our human nature like that's just bad all of that is bad we can't talk about it we just need to ignore it and when we ignore it eventually do that suppression it'll just disappear which is a load of just nonsense but uh, i really love that quote because it kind of emphasizes the need to one um, address it and just accept that it is part of our human nature, but two, it doesn't necessarily demonize it. It doesn't necessarily yeah, say that sexuality is a bad thing. It says that that sexuality, and we know this, can be a very beautiful thing, can be a very good thing when actually respected and practiced in the correct way. Yeah, I mean, our, like sexuality, ultimately, it's it's a gift from the Lord. It's how we've been made, and if mm-hmm. we if we hold ourselves up in the Christian tradition and recognize that our entire being is gift. Like we are a gift. We, we don't create ourselves as we've, we've talked about before, but that we're a gift from the Lord. Then like we have to accept our sexuality as well as a part of ourselves. And as a gift, like he's made us this way and he's made us uh, in such a way that we enjoy that part. And it's a, it's a desirable and like enjoyable part of our, our life. And it's enjoyable action when, you know, it's enjoyable outsider and inside the, the proper context, but like, it's most properly fulfilled within the right context between a man and a woman in, in matrimony because it's, you're fully giving yourself. And like the whole point of sexuality is to make of yourself a gift because I think, I've, I don't know if I've quoted this before, but my spiritual writer says beautiful line about what it is. He calls it like the vital, you have these vital energies of life and love within you. And like to, to weaken those desires would be to weaken like life itself. Like your life will be less and like weaker and duller for having done that. So I think that temptation to say, just get rid of those for me and make my life and like the uh, possibility of failure what actually leads to a less fulfilled life. And that's, we see all this stuff of like sexual repression is horrible and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, but you're thinking about chassis precisely and like, oh, like that. It's just a no thing. And I think this is where we, we get really mixed up with chassis where like chassis has become not like in the way we talk about it, but the way we actually live it and practice it. Chastity is lived out as abstinence. Because you see the same thing when we talk about emotional chastity. Emotional chastity means emotional abstinence now. Like that's what it's become. It means like just shut your heart off to people and kind of like wall yourself in and only let in like certain things, which there's good and bads to that. But I think ultimately what's going on is there's this, it's fear. It's a very scary thing because at the end of the day, we are very, very scared of failing because we think God is going to punish us. So that's what's kind of like, hiding underneath all of this stuff right now. So I think we just need to name that at the outset as we, as we go into it. Yeah. With the, I feel like because with this, because as you said, it's natural and it's a part of ourselves. It's like integrated into ourselves and who we are that it like, we're very vulnerable. I feel like we feel vulnerable when like, even like with these desires and these feelings and it's, it's so much easier to isolate um, yourself and just not talk about it, as you said, or just like, oh, this is bad. I have to um, kind of earn my eyes. And, and really, I kind of word that just comes to mind is, is like shame. I feel like we are ashamed mm-hmm. of um, our sexuality, um, really anything with it or anything that like we have done. And we know that like the Lord does not operate in shame. And I feel like with that, the, the temptation is whether it's anything we've done in our past or even just with our desires is we're like, oh, I need to go to my corner hit myself on the face, like bad, bad, bad. I need to isolate myself instead of actually being like, what is, what are these desires? Like, what is their purpose? Like, what are, they're given to us, like you said, as a gift, how can I use them in the correct way? And also that it doesn't have to be isolating. You can um, have conversations, you can share into those things. And we know like that Satan is going to try to isolate us. And I think that's one of the weirdest things is that um, to go back, like Michael, the conversation that like we had with Tanner I really like that he was, he named everything and he told us he was going to do that. Like right from the get-go, he was like, I'm not going to operate in any type of just like cloudiness. He's like, I'm just going to name things. And I think like when we add that clarity to do, like with it, we 
are like we're doing a service to ourselves and really like the others that we interact with. That's absolutely true, David. And I think that shame is something that I think probably all three of us have experienced. I know that that's been kind of my experience of you have this struggle or you have these desires, you have these temptations, or you have this history, you have this past of mistakes or things that you've done. And immediately you internalize them and you just think, if anyone knew this, if anyone could see in this dark corner of my soul, of my heart, of my desires, they would abandon me. They wouldn't want to, to be associated with me. They wouldn't love me because I'm too, I'm too far gone. I'm not lovable anymore. I, I'm I'm stained. I'm tainted. Whatever you want to call it, and I think, John, I think back to a conversation we actually had in your room my sophomore year. Uh, this is like beginning of sophomore. Year. I don't even know if you really remember it. And we we were talking. This is like kind of back when you were still part of Focus, and you were kind of like entering and like we were kind of having our own relationship going. We just kind of talked about our past. We talked about our histories. And I remember I kind of told you some intimate things about myself that I was very insecure about sharing. I remember your response was one of just pure love and just like joy. And I remember experiencing that and being like, wait a second, people, people don't hate you for mistakes. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you just turn me away at this point? Um, I remember that was a very moving experience for me that I still hold on to very dearly in my heart pretty frequently. And I think it's just important for us to understand that nine times out of 10, the person standing right next to you has either had the same temptation, had the same struggle, or at some point has at least addressed that and had somewhat of a, of a struggle or a temptation that is relatable to something that you have also been trying to hide. And it's not this ugly, disgusting thing that only you are suffering from. Yeah. Yeah. What you guys are hitting on, I think um, it reminds me of a quote from um, Father John Neppel from Catholic Stuff. But he says, uh, it's so easy to love when the heart is exposed. I think that's really true in this context, right? Because what you guys are both like hitting on like with shame is that the fear that comes out of, if I expose my heart in this way, it will not be, re- it will not be met with love. It will not be received with love. And the reality is, um, is that I know in my own experience of having received that love from other people and then also being noticing myself, the love that like wells up in me and is poured out to the person who's sharing something like it is so much easier to love someone in their vulnerability and their openness in this context and, and really whatever, but it's sometimes it's not, but I think oftentimes like when you have a heart that's close to the Lord, or at least trying to be close to the Lord, um, he really does work there and it becomes a lot easier to like receive them with love. Um, and so, yeah, with like that, with that shame, it's, it's not something we need to be uh, afraid of, of like bringing up and saying like, I can show this. And like with chastity, then I think instead of it being this sort of like, okay, just, you know, no, no, and no to all of this stuff, it becomes, okay, how do I, how do I allow my heart to like really be alive? Cause I think chastity, like, is it to use my spiritual director's line? Like it's the vital energies of life of love. How do I let that flow into my heart? and expose that to other people and allow them to be exposed to it. So the line that I was struck by um, is from Ezekiel uh, 36. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And that is just like, I think of Jesus as, as his heart, all those images of the sacred heart where you see it, it's on the outside, it's pierced and it's, it's real flesh. I think like obviously he's a model for all of this, but that's a chaste heart, a heart that can really feel um, as opposed to a heart that can't, a heart of stone that is just like, nope, or even, even worse as the robotic heart, like one of metal and like calculations and like wires that doesn't like, it doesn't allow for any stain or like naturalness of, of humanity to, to be exposed lest the gears get, you know, um, clogged or broken and then it doesn't function anymore. Um, and so it isolates itself like you guys were saying. So, yeah, I think just this kind of this image of the heart of flesh is an image for chastity. Yeah, John, definitely. That I kind of think back almost to like what you were just saying about, like about being vulnerable in the heart. I think back to, um, I think Michael, remember last year you were talking about the, the book about St. John Paul II and I was on, it was like a, almost like a synopsis of like theology of the body. Um, and I remember I was talking to you about it and I was like, dude, I can 
this is taking me like a page a day. Like it was just like very, it was, it was tough to kind of like wrap my mind around. And I kind of, it, it hit on a lot of the stuff that you were saying, John, that, yeah, it's not, it's not something to kind of like white knuckle or to, um, to kind of push away. And it was really incredible to see like how John Paul II, how he like embraced it and he loved it. And he like talked about um, just sexuality openly and how it was kind of a, um, there's been certain areas of the church that had like very much gone away from that and like just not addressing it. And I think that is something that it's really tough to do. And as you're saying, John, I can totally feel like instances where I feel like I've had that robotic heart or that heart of stone. Um, and just kind of be like, yep, yeah, you know, what? I'm either going to white knuckle this and like power through it, or like I'm just going to um, just be like very calculating for things. But in situations where I feel like you kind of open up and you kind of embrace those things and share that with other people, it, I feel like you're, you're just opening your heart for the Lord to work in as well. I feel yeah. like that is never going to be like a regret that you're going to have. Yeah, no, I don't think so. The question becomes then, it's like, okay, if you have that heart or you're struggling with a robotic heart or whatever, like what's the proper context? Like how do you actually live out chastity? And, you know, we can do the whole talk about like, okay, don't watch pornography, don't masturbate. Like, okay, we're not going to do that because there's a bajillion other people who do a better job than we will and have said it way better than we ever will. So listen to them. Um, but one of the things that I think I want to hit on most especially, especially for like young people. And this is probably going to take a more male oriented turn because we're all guys and ladies. I'm sorry if you are listening to this and this doesn't apply to you. Well, you learn something about men. So we can maybe get a female guest someday to tackle yeah. female. I'm sure they'd love to talk about us. that with a bunch yeah. of guys. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be home. <laughs> I did think about that. I was like, what if a girl came on? Like, there's no way they want to talk about this with us. That's all right. That's okay. Um, I, th- I think a lot of the principles of chastity, although like we're from like a male centered mindset and from like a male's experience with it, it applies. I, I yeah. think it's pretty applicable. Um, I think when I was, I was on a focused mission trip and like we had like a guy's night and a girl's night and the guys, like, I think every single time the guys talk is always like chastity and just like all the good things that you're just tackling it and being vulnerable with it. But I remember talking to some of the girls after that and they all, they had essentially like, word for word the exact same discussion that we had framed a little bit differently towards like the feminine heart obviously mm-hmm. and probably a little bit softer than what the males was <laughs> um and a lot less bro energy but still like a lot of the principles still transfer over to one another i think yeah i i think you're right i think just maybe the the way into this for us will be maybe maybe slightly different um just because yeah. like the way that we uh encounter the feminine is very different than the way that the feminine encounters the masculine so yes um, yeah, so I think that either way, you're right. Cause what we're going to talk about is friendship, right? So this is in, um, the catechism as well. Great book. Um, it says the virtue of chastity blossoms in friendship, whether it develops between persons of the same or opposite sex friendship represents a great good for all. It leads to spiritual communion. Chastity blossoms in friendship. So this is where I think uh, maybe this will rub up against some people. Chastity blossoms in friendships of the same sex and of the opposite sex. So this whole idea, I think, that says this, Michael, even what you were just sharing, though it is great and it's necessary to be able to share in that uh, particular context of you know only men and only women because there's just certain things that you don't feel comfortable sharing and should only share in that context, I think the temptation is to say, all right, I only live this out or talk about this or think about this in that context. Like I can't have real vulnerability with people of the opposite sex because of emotional chastity. I need to guard myself. I need to shut myself down and not experience the feeling. And when those strong feelings come at you, it is like, I mean, it's like D-Day. It's like the beaches are being stormed. You're like, holy crap, I got to like defend myself because this is going to throw me for a loop. I'm going to, I'm going to fall apart. My whole world's going to fall apart because now I'm really attracted to this person. It's like, okay, what if, what if you were able to receive that, what is that, which is being like offered to you from the person and not like freak out about it. I think that's kind of what I want to, what I want us to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I'm interested to see the direction you go. I think it kind of goes back to how you define chastity. 
because I think typically it's just we define chastity as uh, don't have sex before marriage. Yeah. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Um, and if you look at it that context, at that context, chastity is something only to be experienced within like a romantic relationship. Um, yep. And you might have conversations with friends about it or whatnot, but typically it's really only something that's practiced or really thought about in the context of a romantic relationship. And then when you're kind of with other people with like your guy friends or your girlfriends, your guards kind of down, you're like, well, I'm not going to be, I can't be unchaste here. Like chastity is not something I really have to worry about here because there's, there's no romantic, yeah. there's, there's no romantic romanticism here. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the uh, the scripture passage that'll help us get into this is going to be from from John four, um, and just the the image. This came, I think, probably this was last year. I think, <clears throat> but this image came to me of like, okay, like Jesus is at the well with this woman, right? And kind of we get this sense afterwards where the apostles show up and they're kind of like, oh, dude, like what are you doing talking to the woman? Like you know, so talking to her for various different reasons. Um, but he's at the he's at a well, and what struck me about this was, okay, here's the well. And on like the surface, right? You see the well coming out of the ground, like the stone kind of circle wall that's there. It indicates to you that like, there is something rich and good for me that will provide me with life and fulfillment. Like that's what the well on the top of the surface shows us. Like there's something good here and I want that for myself. Okay. But unless you go deeper in, you will actually never get that real like fulfillment. You'll just have these kind of like, titillating ideas of like oh man like there's something good here and I, I really like like that that's there for me I kind of feel comfortable around it um and how that how that applies I think is then like for us we're captivated by beauty like I think we can all say with you know absolute certainty that we know some very beautiful women <laughs> like and we're captivated by that and we want to take that in because we see it as something that like this will fulfill me the issue is that beauty uh, has an effect on us where we desire to possess the beauty. And there's a danger in that. When we try to possess things, we end up killing them. As soon as you try to possess something, you take control of it and it becomes yours. So their, uh, their own like subjectivity is crushed and any sort of autonomy or freedom that they have, you are trying to destroy. So you are killing that person, that unique individual. So when you try to possess the beauty of like the woman, uh, we end up like ruining it and it doesn't become a source of fulfillment because now we've destroyed like that thing, that deeper mystery that would have like expanded our hearts, right? Because a lot of times we think of, oh, love will just fill that hole, right? We say, oh, we have a God-sized hole in your heart and God's going to fill it. It's like, yeah, he is, but it's not like a donut hole where you just fill it. And then it's like, okay, now you're full. Now you're whole and entire. It's like, actually God's love expands your heart always because God's love is ever new. And if it's always new, then it's ever expanding and growing. So this whole idea of just like, oh, let's just fill it in. It's like, that's never going to satiate you. And that's why everyone's so freaking frustrated all the time where it's like, well, I thought I did what I was supposed to do. I don't feel full fulfilled. It's like, oh, God's actually trying to expand your heart. <laughs> yeah, John, that's a really interesting, I'd never like think about like, yeah, like it, it almost, I feel like sometimes kind of how we work is like, oh, I need to, I have my objective and I need to accomplish it. So like, I feel full, like I, I feel fulfilled. I did what I needed to do. And I feel like this could even like, as you're saying, relate back to chastity of like, I did the rules of chastity. I did them. I'm doing <laughs> a very good chastity right now. Um, instead of realizing like maybe actually through chastity, the Lord is trying to give you something. He's trying to expand your heart. And that's just really interesting. I hadn't really like seen it i mean i also had donuts this morning so that's probably why i'm really relating this metaphor but like with the donut like it's not just like fulfilled and like all right good like go on your way but he actually through potentially through the other person um he is hoping to have you experience like them and experience him in a new way Mm -hmm. and that's kind of goes to like that ongoing conversion of our hearts so yeah yeah, that's really interesting yeah i think the donuts this thing of like mystery of the other person i don't at least for me it's like women are very mysterious i don't understand them i try to and i think i do i'm like oh i've put them in this box and then like immediately break the box that i put them in i'm like dang it but like there's a there's a mystery there but i think right now uh people in this culture and age hate mystery because we have google and we have things that will just tell us the answers 
uh, like no one wants to like, you know, have that kind of hanging over them being like, no, I just need to like have the answer and then I'll be good. It's like, well, there's a mystery to it. There's a mystery to ourselves. Like we don't even understand ourselves, let alone the person in front of us. So like this idea of like, like a well is kind of mysterious. You don't know what's down there. You kind of put the bucket down there and then, you know, when you pull it back up, water comes out like, Oh, how did that happen? <laughs> but like there's a mystery to um, the feminine and what that mystery I think requires. And there's also a mystery to the men, ladies. Okay. So like when you try to put men in a box and say men are dumb, you're not wrong, but we're very mysterious in our stupidity. So um, what I, what I think is necessary is a, a posture of, of reverence towards the mystery. So in friendship, how do you reverence the other person? And I think St. Joseph provides a particularly good example for this because I mean, for me, it's more just because of like, I think I get drawn in by the celibacy part of it because here's a guy who had arguably the most beautiful woman ever in front of him because she was a pure and probably because she was beautiful. <laughs> but like the blessed mother is his wife. And like, what do husbands and wives do? Like Joseph is a normal man. So he would have been like, yeah, like this is what is supposed to happen in marriage. But I've been asked not to do that. And so I have to, but he didn't like shut his heart down. He wasn't just like, you know, we always did the image of Joseph, like the old decrepit man, just like, yes, my wife, Mary, and this little baby. It's like, that's not Joseph. Like, no, Joseph was like a, a strong, real man who felt deeply. And so to like, you imagine like, how did he receive his wife? How did he receive Mary's love? Because she loved him and showed him affection and, you know, tenderness. So how does he receive that into his heart without like going haywire? And that's chastity is being able to take a step back and not possess the other, but to take a step back in reverence and leave a space there between the two of them, not like physically, but like spiritually saying, like, I don't fully understand you. I'm not trying to possess you, but I want to receive what it is that you are giving me in your entirety, like your whole personage, not just your body, not just your spirit, but you whole and entire and if you do that with a, a spirit of reverence, it's saying that I leave a space open for the Lord then to sort of like distill if you want, or, you know, parse out like what he wants to give me in that moment, like what is necessary for feeding that spiritual communion that is uh, the fruit of chastity. I think that gap you just mentioned there is really interesting for me because I think in relationships, both on the male side and actually on the female side, I think we witness that gap at times. And that gap scares us. We're like, wait, why is oh, there that yeah, gap? Totally. Why yeah. is there that gap? Like, I need to know them. Even in friendships, I know with myself, with male friendships and female friendships, I'll witness that gap. Of like, oh, there's something mm -hmm. I don't quite understand or I don't quite know here. And I become obsessive over like, I need to know. I need to know mm -hmm. what it is. I need to fill that gap. I need to, I need to have it. I need to possess it. I need to own it. Um, and it becomes a way of like validating the relationship, I think. I think we look at, if I don't have that, if I don't own that, then how can I truly be in this relationship? How can I truly say that this relationship is good? Because obviously mm -hmm. there's something being hidden from me. And again, we obsess over that. We try to own it, but looking at it through the frame of that can actually be something very beautiful there. And it is kind of like that growing heart image, um, that gap, you, you might fill the gap at times, or you might fill parts of the gap and, Oh, I, I understand you in a whole new way than I did yesterday. Mm -hmm. But now the next day that gap gets bigger again, because it's like, Oh, now this new portion of you came out. Kind of like what you said, where you put women into this box and then they break out of the box like wait what'd you do that for kind of like that where you fill the gap and then suddenly the gap arises again and there's always something new which one i think can be very frustrating but two points to just like the beautiful complexity of each one of us where i think we just try to put ourselves in our own little box and say this is who i am or this is who they are but just seeing how we change and how we mature and just really how we can grow in self-awareness and self-knowledge throughout our entire life where these revelations could be occurring when we're 20, when we're 50, when we're 80, all of these things. And to me, that sounds very exciting because the idea of figuring out everything about life when you're 25, although it'd be cool because it'd make everything way easier, also seems a little anticlimactic. That was a thought, I forgot who I was talking to last week, that if you think about like, so you, you start dating someone, say, like, early 20s, maybe like mid-20s, you get married. Um, I feel like the temptation is to be like, yep, you'll get married, and it is smooth sailing from there on out. The, the goal is marriage. Um, but you think about, like, if you're married from someone like you're 25, even, like, you go five years, 10 years, 15 years, 
like a 25, like you when you're 25 versus you when you're 40 or you when you're 50. I mean, I'm guessing very different people. I'm not so <laughs> ergo Latin, your, your spouse is also probably going to be a very different person. And that's kind of interesting that like, it's not just, oh, I married this person. I know everything about them and we are going to continue and everything's going to stay the same. No, you're going to keep on growing. And I think that's a little bit of like what we're getting at here. And that's something that like, um, although like it's very simple, I hadn't like really thought about it. Like you're going to keep on growing with that person. And it is like a thing every day. And as you were saying, like the gap will close and the next day you'll get back open. And it's like constantly um, that like, conversion, getting to like know them and love them. And yeah, that was something that I just thought was like, was very beautiful and something I hadn't really thought too much, even in friendships as well. Like I'm going to assume that us 10 years from now, hopefully yeah. are different people nope. <laughs> than we are now. So a little bit of like, I know it's kind of a cliche, but like, um, and I know Michael used to bag on you all the time for this, but being like, you've changed. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but like, yeah, of course you've changed. Like people grow and like develop and it's not just like, I have to understand you. You, you change, something's different it's actually like, okay, I'm not going to like fully be able to grasp this, put them in a box, but to receive. And I think it takes humility there as well. I think we always want to be the best spouse, the best friend. Like I need to know exactly what's going on with this person's life, but to actually kind of step back and be like, I am going to like receive what they're giving me. And it's also an invitation to like trust the Lord. And I feel like that's where um, we might not feel super fulfilled in our relationships, but I think that's an area that we can grow in. And I know I can grow in because that I'm definitely the person who's like, I need to know everything or else like, um, that's like, or, or else like that's gonna make me feel bad about, bad about myself. Um, <laughs> this is why yeah, all three of us I, get I along so well. Yep. I think all of us <laughs> have been in a situation where it's like, I, I mean, kind of what you just alluded to there, David, of like, I need to know everything. Otherwise I am insecure in myself or I'm insecure in like the friendship. And mm-hmm. now they're no longer viewing the friendship the way that I thought they were viewing it and become just so obsessive over it. There's so many thoughts going through my head right now. Um, let's see if I can parse it. Okay, so the insecurity thing, right? This all, I think this all boils down to this. Um, it boils down to a lack of awe and wonder because we don't treat people as mysteries. We treat them as like, you, I'm gonna, like you're just an object for me to like know. And I can fully know you. So there's a little pride going on there, right? So David, back to your thing about humility. Like, yeah, humility is directly tied to chastity like if you don't have humility like this is very difficult to do um but we're not living if you don't have um awe and wonder you're not living in reality right the word that always comes up along with um, a lot of like sexual sin or like sexual struggle is the word fantasy usually that involves like you imagining some scenario but what is what is what is happening if we just take it like for what it means fantasy it just means not reality i'm not living in reality and reality is present is the present. So what happens oftentimes is in those instances, Michael, where you're talking like this insecurity that comes up where it's like, oh no, like they're not doing what I wanted or they're not like what they were or what are they going to be like 10 years from now? Past, future. We're not living in the present moment to receive. So it becomes very difficult to like um, really feel and accept the gift that's being given to you from the other person as the person is a gift, right? Like this is what you have to do adapt this, this mindset and this disposition. It's like this other person is a gift to me. Um, so if you don't live in reality, you can't actually receive the gift properly because you don't really know, you can't see it for what it is. Um, and for me, that comes to like all the time where it's just like, I'm thinking about all these things that like from the past or in the future. And it's just like, you get very frustrated and resentful towards that person because you're, living outside of that present moment when you when you draw yourself back in and you start to live with a live a little bit more with gratitude for the gift that's in front of you and just the awe and wonder of like wow this is just like amazing it is so much more beautiful even the littlest like most trivial things that they say will like just be such a a joy really i mean honestly it's true like and it happens in male friendships for me and it happens in female friendships and it's just like there's beautiful things that come out and like and i hold on to them it's like wow that was a really great grace lord like thank you for that I don't, it didn't really, that person, if you tell them, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? And it's like, actually, it was awesome. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, just some thoughts there. That kind of reminds me of the chapter of Screwtape Letters. 
where he's talking about like the temptation to live in the past and the future. Which is interesting, that just came to mind. I had a conversation with a friend about that like last week, but no, I completely agree, John. I can't wait to go back and listen to this podcast when I have a girlfriend. It's going to be electric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, something there too, like you think of um, like the, if you don't live in the present, in a way you're kind of like, I don't know, you're sort of chained really to the past or to some fantasy, some not reality. Um, and you can't actually like live, <laughs> uh, like you become a slave to those things. And so like living with humility and living in the present with like awe and wonder and reverence actually helps you to break that chain of like lustfulness, uh, and like possessiveness of trying to control things. Um, yeah. So humility is very important. Is this the chastity podcast or is it a humility podcast? Ooh, baby. Both. It's, it's still chastity. Yeah. So um, I don't, I think that's all I have. Ladies, just know that your, uh, your beauty is very captivating and it has a great power. So just know that's that. True. Yeah. Guys are, guys yeah. are captivated. So um, have, have mercy on them. <laughs> They're trying to cut them some slack. <laughs> yeah um good uh, yeah I, I think that's a good place to yeah we can, we can do another one later if more things come up and you know david has a girlfriend and we need yeah. to talk to if. him about that we'll do the sex talk 2.0 someday oh, we could name that. that that could be the name of the podcast the talk <laughs> mm, i like it if you haven't had a talk from your parents before about this here we are <laughs> <laughs> is that it then boys I think so. Yeah. Alrighty. Good stuff. So. Well, thank you everyone for listening. As always, uh, please pray for us. We'll continue to pray for you. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. And lastly, before we go, just two quick words from our buddies over at Bishop Sheen Rosaries. Uh, I know Lent starting pretty soon now, and I know one of my Lent resolutions usually what back in the day would be to do a rosary every day. So if that's something you're interested in, check them out for rosaries. And get 10% off using the code catch thir- or catch 10, I believe is the code. I'm getting them mixed up. Either way, it'll be in the link in the podcast description. And lastly, if you or someone you know is trying to uh, defeat the chastity battle with pornography and masturbation, uh, make sure to go check out Covenant Eyes and use the code CATCH30 for a 30-day free trial over there, and they can help try to assist the education and breaking of those chains. So, well, I think that's all we have yeah until next time bye bye